Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Only Speaks podcast on Black and White and Red Little Over. I'm your host, Danny, coming to you for episode number 116. And uh, 116, I know I don't do fun with numbers anymore, but 116 feels like the amount of goals that Federico Bernadeschi has scored since he signed with Toronto FC. So, you know, give or, give or take a couple, maybe, who knows. But uh, if you want to listen to this episode and our previous episodes, feel free to find us on your favorite podcasting platform whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a rating or a review. We have a lot to cover today, and not all of it is good, although hopefully we are raging at three-lettered acronym rather than each other. So let me bring in the career of Samuel Press. Hello, Sam. The thing that boggles me the most about Bernardeschi is he goes in there the same time as Lorenzo Insigne, and Insigne was the primary penalty taker at Napoli for years, and somehow he's the one taking all the penalties. The power of the number ten. <laughs> power of the number ten. Like, it's just I, I don't understand that one. <laughs> Back from uh, keeping the soon to be in laws happy is Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah, we just had a nice little. Uh get together last uh, last was it sunday indeed and uh, i am back indeed and then i'll be gone again so you know <laughs> um yep here briefly and then uh, i'll like be gone again for uh, you, Chucks. yes thank you thank you for yeah you. yeah i'll be uh, i'll be gone for 3 weeks uh, but yeah we'll uh, we we got some action to cover first you know enough about me uh, we got some action to cover such as Federico Benedetti scoring 8 goals and Insigne scoring 6 well quite quite something i'm just looking at the stats here it's uh, Quite. Hey, he's, uh, Insigne is on top. Uh, most shots on target for uh, Toronto. Man, that's quite something. So, uh, and Chiellini yeah. pulled off a Bonucci assist last night. Did you oh, see that one? I did not. I did not. The there's old lady, so much the action old lady to keep speaks up about Major League Soccer. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> so much action to keep track of. But uh, hope to uh, hope to go out with a bang, as I will be absent for a few weeks. Then uh, and after this, so uh, let's roll on up. Let's let's let's, let's uh, slide on in. Last but not least, a guy who has probably cracked a joke or two about Major League Soccer over the years, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hey, fellas. Happy to, to be here as always. Yeah, no, Major League Soccer, known, known football, you know, elite tier. I'm shocked that he's doing better over there. Um, but yeah, no, good for him. Bernadette was one of those guys that just 
you know, it never worked out for him at Juve, but no one really harbored any resentment over it. Like most Juve fans are kind of like happy that he's doing well, which is not super common, I think, for, for guys who just fail to live up to expectations. And then just everyone agreeing like, no, yeah, he, he looks like a good guy. Like he looks like a fine guy. I'm, I'm happy he's doing well. That seems like the overall reaction from, from most Juba fans. So, so yeah, to recapture I'm happy he's doing well. Good for him. Yeah. Guess, guessing uh, Bernadeschi and Aaron Ramsey are getting a different kind of reaction in terms of what they're doing uh, since leaving <laughs> Juventus. A little bit. I got him. I got Aaron Ramsey's sticker on my world cup, uh, you know, sticker album. And it was, it was a shock. It was a shock. Like I forgot for a second that he was actually going to play in the world cup. Like wouldn't it be so Ramsey for him to have like a fantastic world cup and then get hurt again, never play again. I think he's already hurt. Yes. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I checked. Yeah. (laughs) I was just strangely curious about what he was doing. And then, yep, he is indeed. hurt. (laughs) My my man's has his world cup sticker and that's not nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Can't take that away from him. All right. Well, I I don't usually do this, but uh, is it okay with you guys if I take the first takeaway from the week that was? Hey, you're you're a man in charge. Yeah, let's do it. Sure. All right. Well, uh, I will get Kaush uh, busy here. Editor Kaush, our beloved editor, busy right off the bat. And I will say that VAR sucks. And VAR sucks in Italy because they don't know how to use it properly. So, Sam, what is your takeaway from the week that was? I'm going to, yeah, uh, just <laughs> officiating in Italy sucks. Like, like, remember when we actually had people like like Colina and Rossetti who were like really the good? Gold, the gold their, standard of refereeing. Who were like the really good at their jobs. And now just the, the standard of officiating in Italy has sunk to such insane levels that this is, yeah, it, it's it's a joke. It's an embarrassment at this point. You know, we're not, and we're not the only ones. I think I, I know the president of Lecce was came out for the press conference after their game against Monza today, and was was screaming over over two penalty kicks that they didn't get in the second half of their game, and and it just it just seems like every week we're talking about weird ass, and it's not even the VAR, like misapplication of VAR. Sure, might be one problem, especially today, but it's just that. These guys aren't competent. That's what I always like to say to people on Twitter who say it's like, oh, Serie A is an anti-UV bias. I'm like, no, it's just they're really bad. Yeah. Every week, every week it's something, no matter what club it is. And I've also got a lot of Juventus fan friends who are insisting that there is a massive campaign against us, which I always try to tamp down because, in my opinion, that's just as pathetic as all the other people screaming Rubentus when we do win. But <laughs> it, the fact of the matter is, these guys are really bad right now. Like I cannot look, I cannot pick out a referee. First off, I'd never heard of this guy that we had today before in my life. I think he's a new kid. I think he's new. I think that he's just, he's been promoted from ZAB and it might, might not be hearing about him for a few weeks after this. No, I, I doubt it. But also, you know, the, the guy in the VAR room was Banty. He's one of the most experienced guys in the league. There is no referee. The last time that there was a referee that I was that that I would get like, you know, like, oh, okay, he's in for a big game. This should be okay. He should be able to take care of this was Nicolo Rizzoli. Even he had his issues, but he was he was still pretty good. Now there is no ref that I would look at and say, oh, okay, we're probably gonna have a good game. We we, we won't have to talk too much about about officiating in this one. 
because all of them are just so liable to make a, a, a tremendous mistake like this. It's just, it's bad. It's bad. All right, Sergio, what do you got? Yeah, no, I mean, it, it was going to be the same thing. I mean, it's just, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuts. And I, I don't want to, you know, go too deeply, but, um, you know, CVS sports, like I think the, the football loss analyst or whatever, her name is Christina Unkel. She was trying to make like this case of why it got this out when it was the inter- interpretation thing. And then like she tweeted about like the other angle. It was like pretty much, yeah, I don't know if they had that angle, like if the VAR actually had that angle, which just blows my mind. If like Twitter sleuths could get it within like five minutes, how could it not be that the VAR has all the angles? Like how, like, what are you doing? Like, oh, maybe all the cameras were zoomed in on Bonucci. Do you have one? Like, do you have the one camera? Like it's in an iPhone and people are just zooming in into it. Like, how is it possible that you just don't have all the information? Like, it's just... It, it's absolutely nuts because in the end, it, it wasn't about interpretation, which as we were discussing before we jumped on the, on the, well, before we started recording, it's not about interpretation or not. It's just, you know, a, a very clear cut. Like he was an offside. Like it's, it doesn't even matter if you're trying to make the interpretation thing stick. So yeah, just really, really, really tough, really gutting to, to lose points like that. And, and the thing that just, by sheer, like, I agree with you guys. I don't think there's a very big uh, problem against Juventus or against any team. It's just, it feels like a, you know, thing about referees, not only in Italy, but it, it happens in every league all over the world. Just like not really being able to use this technology or, or to use it in a way that makes people understand their calls or understand what they're doing or, or making it a uniform call. Like it just... It's it's incredibly frustrating and it just it leaves everyone just going back and saying, you know what, let's do away with VAR. We tried it, it doesn't work, like things were better the way they were. And I I I lean towards that camp now. I was a very, very pro VAR person when it was first installed. And now it's just like if this is how it's gonna get used, just just let's let's make judgment calls in the moment, whatever. Like it's not any better or worse than what we're doing right now. So what's the point? Jux, will you also be talking about VAR? I'll make brief comment on it and then kind of steer us back to the um, footballing, I guess, aspect. Ah. I mean, I'm always reluctant to talk about controversy, period. I mean, just in society and in politics and in football and, you know, just in general. Um, but obviously in, in football, just, you know, controversy. I, I like to steer clear, but I like to focus on the actual, okay, what could we as in the players, what could the players have done to, you know, avoid the, avoid this controversy being so important? Like in this case, obviously, if we just you know done the bloody job, this would have not been so much of an issue, but, but obviously, you know, let me just, I mean, I feel like I can't really avoid what is the elephant in the room. So, I mean, in general comment on VAR, I think to me, from what I understood when it was first introduced was that it was it was supposed to, and I, and I always warn people on this because I got the general idea that people thought that VAR would just solve all of football's problems in terms of refereeing controversies. I go solve the problems because it's like, okay, you know, rugby has this, uh, rugby has technology, uh, tennis, they have the, you know, Hawkeye and like, you know, uh, cricket even like they you know have all this technology it's like okay football is the only one that we don't uh, and of course american football too has uh you know has that too and um football is the only only sport like of the you know really major sports that don't have 
or that doesn't have proper yeah technology to use for uh reviewing uh, officiating calls i mean of course goal line technology i mean yeah but that's not really i mean yes it's an officiating call but uh it's, it's so black or white you know yeah. across the line or doesn't i mean it, goal line it, technology is the exact same stuff that they use for the tennis right right with hawkeye yeah 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 and you know i that took a long time to get there so um but yeah, so, you know, that was kind of like the big push is like, OK, you know, why is football lagging so behind? Why, like, why aren't we with the times? And, you know, let's get this in there and it will solve the controversies of football. Well, clearly not. I mean, clearly that hasn't been the case. And I mean, I think my just original problem with VAR was not, I guess, necessarily VAR itself, but just the frankly, completely unrealistic expectations there were always around this technology that like, you know, we bring this in and now we won't have dubious uh, penalty calls anymore that go completely or well, I shouldn't say dubious or like obvious penalty calls that uh, go completely unnoticed because I don't know, it just went unnoticed or very o- obvious offside calls that just were missed or something, or, you know, that issues like that, that people thought, okay, now we won't have that anymore at all. And it just like clearly is not the case. And I, I, that's just my general frustration that people thought this would just be a silver bullet to all footballing's problems. I, I think that, has also caused a lot of the frustration that we have now with VAR that people are so angry with it. I mean, obviously just because of issues like these today, but just because there was that expectation and there's the reality now, and then there's that clear discrepancy between what we thought would happen and what is currently happening, which is just, it's not lining up to our expectations. And that's that kind of like tension, that dissonance there. I think that's really uh, I mean, that's obviously pissing people off too. I mean, pissing me off and us, obviously. And, you know, so that's, uh, yeah, that's a big, big problem there. And then, you know, just on the call specifically today on, you know, on that uh, Milik goal and the whole Bonucci pseudo offside thing, I think it's actually really, it was probably the most ironic VAR call ever, if you think about it, because this is a call that I think would not, nobody really would have batted an eye at it if it was, if there was no VAR. And that just happened in real time. I don't think anybody would have really batted an eye about it. They would have just been like, oh, man, damn, a goal. You know, I, it, I don't think anybody would have been like, hey, man, he's offside. And he like nudged. Well, no, nobody did bat an eye. <laughs> yeah. And you watch the, the replay and no Salernitana players objected to what had just happened other than being disappointed that a goal just scored. And that is exactly like the greatest irony of this call is that it was a call that initially it was just a valid goal that nobody really would have, I don't know, nobody said anything about, nobody really paid attention to until VAR said to look at it, or people in the VAR box said to look at it. It was then looked at and then ruled offside when it wasn't offside. And then from, like like Sergio said, from, from images that the Twitter army just got within five minutes of the game. So it's just the greatest irony that it was a correct call initially. VAR then made an incorrect call so a technology that we brought to exactly examine like <laughs> wrong calls then goes to a correct call and then says oh no look at it even though nobody else said anything to then make an incorrect call i mean it, it just struck me as just the greatest irony of just of it all and that also kind of brings me kind of to the final point about var is just that my biggest biggest issue really as well with with uh, var is just that it has made us look at like extremely minute issues in, in, in football, like extremely minute incidents that I think before the technology was implemented that 
people would either like be like, hey, wasn't that a fall? Ah, okay, I don't know. It was too quick. Yeah, okay, let's just move on. With whereas now you have like the slightest of fouls. We're like, well, I don't know. I mean, we got VAR. Let's look at it. Did he did his foot move at 0.78 meters a second quicker? I don't know. It touched and it's just, I mean, I don't I hope I'm making my point clear, but I think it's just it has like now we're just scrutinizing more and more gray area calls than before. I think before we would leave gray area calls and kind of just think like, you know what, it's too tough to really call on that. It will just we just have to, I don't know, either just let it go or just stick with the original call. But now with VAR, it's because you have that ability to review the call. So now it's it's almost like trigger happy. It's like, well, we have the ability to review the call. It was and then there's obviously the whole thing of clear and obvious foul, which I still don't really understand how that's implemented. Yeah. But um, it's I don't know. I get more confused every time I think about it. Well, I, I know that we've talked about it before that, you know, now with VAR around, obviously, and I know kind of our takeaways have morphed into basically the show here. But, yeah. you know, you, you you have VAR and all of a sudden I think, you know, maybe referees and, you know, we're, we're a few years into it, so it's nothing new, but there's almost kind of like referees might feel like there's a safety net of VAR where if they don't get the call right, well, okay, maybe, maybe the guy in the VAR room will catch it or, yeah, or like, yeah. or like, like you were saying, but goal line technology, that is very much black and white. And to keep with right. the color scheme, those, you know, gray area calls where, I mean, you look at, you look at the the second goal from Juventus against Roma that was called off because Vlaovic got called for a handball. What is Vlaovic supposed to do right. to prevent the ball from hitting his hand? He's trying to hold off the guy who's trying to get the ball from him rather right, than right. And, and essentially that's I mean. playing the ball with trying to play the ball with his hand to get an advantage. So it there's, I guess this is a long way of saying it, it feels like VAR has taken out kind of a lot of the the context of what's going on right, in a way right, 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 where, right. you know, you look at like today's call with Bonucci. First off, it gave me shades of Ronaldo and Paulo Dybala a few years ago from the champions league where Ronaldo's trying to head the ball after Dybala is about to score a goal. And it's like, why is Bonucci trying to play the ball one when the ball is clearly going in, but then it's like Bonucci doesn't touch the ball. It doesn't change the, the, the path of where Milik's header is going. The Salernitana keeper, Luigi Seppi, he had no chance to get there. As we were saying before we hit record, he's essentially heading toward the other post when Milik makes contact with the ball. And you look at his reaction to it. He was stuck in his spot when the ball crossed the line. So there was no chance he was saving it. And Luigi was not in his eye line. Yeah. And it's it's just, like I said, it's taken the context away. So now it's like, okay, you're making gray area calls basically have to be black and white. Whereas there's no, you know, the whole interpretation of rules now is just completely thrown out of whack because nobody really knows kind of like, I mean, as we know, you know, Sam and Sergio being fans of the NFL, nobody really knows what a catch is anymore. I don't know if anybody really knows what offsides is anymore because there's so many different ways it's called by different referees and different leagues. And I don't know. It's just frustrating on top of the way they Juventus played today, just to have the, the way this game ended was just, you know, kind of the cherry on top of a, craptastic cake <laughs> yeah and that's and that's the thing about it is that in this particular case there was an interpretive aspect to it because the ref 
has to make the call as to whether or not Bonucci is involved in the play. And how he came to that conclusion on this occasion is beyond my comprehension. But also, and and that's to turn this into into something more than a than a referee fest. Danny, like you said, there is no excuse for Juventus to be in that position to begin with in this game. We're talking about a home game against Salernitana, who you know needed a Davide Nicola special in order to stay up in the top flight this year. And we're down 2-0 against them at halftime. Play another garbage first half. Preponderance of the first half was terrible. It was, it was weird because Salernitana scored against the run of play. And then the team fell apart until halftime. Just absolutely nothing. The, the fact that we needed that kind of response at all wasn't acceptable. And regardless of the injuries and, and whatever... You should be beating this team handily. And instead, you're in a situation where you needed a header on the last kick of the game to go ahead. That that that's just it's just not I'm sorry, it's not acceptable. There's there the, the talent gap there is too wide. It has to be done. And the, and the question again becomes what the heck was coming out of the coaching? Because it certainly didn't look like there was much of a plan. For a lot of the game, he it seemed like you know Allegri would just I and mean, yeah, was there a dearth of options on the bench? Sure, but Allegri also seemed to just be throwing guys on left and right, and not really. I, I didn't really know where the hell anybody was. It almost looked like Alexandra was in midfield half the time. Quick question for everybody: since uh, the last time Juventus was down two nothing at halftime at home in a Serie A match was April two thousand four. Do you guys remember what you were up to in April 2004? Because I was still in high school. Uh, April 2004, I was a freshman in high school. (laughs) And uh, as a freshman in high school, I was playing on my rec league baseball team. And yeah, that's about it. (laughs) I mean, I was 11 years old. So, I mean, that's... Yeah. Yeah, same. I was very into Star Wars at the time. I still am, but not not as much as when I was eleven for sure. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what I was doing. Couldn't tell I couldn't tell you what I was doing. <laughs> probably watching Dragon Ball Z or something. I don't know. You're raising hell, that's what you were doing, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. Probably learning how to I don't know, ride a bicycle or something. I don't know. Now that's pretty late, actually. No, I probably I probably knew that. The, the thing that, and, and going back to, to what Sam was saying, I think the thing that was really worrying for me to see was was mostly exactly what happened after that first goal, because I think Juventus start off the game really well. I think that they have a couple of chances. Fabio Merit is doing Fabio Merit things. I think the game is going their way. And then, you know, Juan Codado makes that just, just awful mistake. I mean, just oh. something that you'd expect any, you know, average to below average fullback to handle that fairly easily and and he just you know completely completely swings and misses like i don't even know what he was trying to do and then you know but mistakes happen whatever but the the real worrying thing was that like sam was saying after that goal they just completely like they just forget what they're doing like they, they just you know they're not the same team like they just cannot come back to what they're doing it's like they're shocked it's like they, they it's like it, it reminded me of a boxer they they get that one clean shot in the face and they just don't know what to do for like the neck for like whatever is left of the round. Like that's how it felt for Juventus. Like let's just survive the first half 
and then figure it out. It's like, no, it's the 20th minutes against Salernitana. You made a mistake, but you were doing well. You had control of the game. Keep doing that. Like it felt like the entire team was shook after that, which is honestly like pretty worrying, like just pretty, pretty worrying. I don't know if that's all in the coach, if that's all in the players, but I, I, I just never seen a team just completely just so discombobulated after sure a mistake, but you know, that shouldn't be, you know, the end all be all, Oh, we messed up. Then the whole first half's a wash. Like it, it just felt really, really weird to, to see the team react that way. And, you know, to, to their credit, the second half was the complete opposite. They came out fire in their belly. They, they managed to the come back, whatever, but it, it really was warring to see that. It's like, the, it, it felt to me like a team that can't bounce back from a, a setback or from a bad moment quick enough like they take a long time to kind of get themselves back together and and that just doesn't it, it doesn't feel great for a team like it's not a good sign i think for a team to just immediately lose the grasp of the game the, the way they did after that after that mistake by cuadrado yeah and they just didn't have any idea of what to do really i mean it was we've talked obviously at nauseum about how juve goes into a a, a shell when they're up a goal but it was like it was almost like they didn't even consider the fact that they might be trailing in this game at all. And it was like, okay, well, they kind of just looked around at each other. It was like, what, what do we do now? And it, yeah. they, they played like it because, I mean, you know, they're down to nothing not so long after that. And it's like, again, to kind of reference what, I, what we were talking about before before we hit record here, it's like I'm, I'm starting to write the eulogy on this game and it's halftime because it's like they're showing absolutely no sign of doing much of anything right, let alone the capability to score two goals in one half. Cause as we've seen a lot this season, scoring two goals is quite defeat for this team. And that's not a good thing. To the credits, they got three. Yeah. They two did. officially, but three in my books. <laughs> and 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 four if if Kane had released Vlavic just oh, that God. little tiny bit earlier. Yeah, Moise Keane, Jesus. Like, that's another guy who you, you just look at like, Jesus, like, what is going on with this guy? Like, just he seems out of sync, out of confidence. Like, it, it was the biggest case for me of, of addition by subtraction to just getting him out of there and bringing in Milik in the second half. Like, just the team looked different. There was a different attitude. Like, there was a guy who just knew what he had to do. And, and so many times, Moise Keane just does not look like he knows what he should be doing at it. Like he, he just looks confused. Like, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's tough for me to see that guy with that had such high hopes, such a high ceiling. We all thought that he was going to be this, this great striker. And, and he just looks all out of sorts right now. Like Keen Island is, is looking fairly, fairly empty right now. It's probably me and, and I don't know his family at this point, but <laughs> yeah, there's there's plenty tough. there's plenty of occupancy on Keen Island. <laughs> there's plenty. Like people are liquidating their condos. Like it's bad. It's bad <laughs> down here. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because one of the 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 commentators on on CBS, the the analyst guy that they have there, who it's weird to listen to him talk because he's so clearly making his point he's he's so clearly thinking in italian and then trying to translate those thoughts into yes. english on the and so and i feel for him in that case but also like he called how many times did he call philip kostic ante rebic in the, third, uh. in the second half <laughs> but uh he talked about you know kane kane needs to get the ball while he's moving he needs to be attacking the goal and he you know so many times 
today and with Allegri, since Allegri came back in general, he's he's been receiving the ball and having to try to control it and hold it up. And that's really not and it's really not not when he's the most effective, nor is nor is it Vlaovic, if we're being honest with ourselves. So, yeah, it, it just seems like he's just not being used the best. But at the same time, I mean, some of those were just elementary touches uh, that, that he was getting wrong. And yeah, it's, it's, it's rough. But then there's, I mean, I mean, I've seen some arguments in the comments, uh, about. In our comments? No, no. (laughs) I know. Right. Especially lately, but that that's another player who has simply regressed under Allegri. You know, I mean, he was really quite amazing because Allegri was the one that launched him. Yeah. 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 Like like Kane Kane was one of the few bright spots in that, in that last season of Allegri, but. I mean, essentially, ever since Juventus sold him the first time is when he's been regressing. Yeah, I mean, he, he went to Everton, and outside of his year at PSG, he's no, just never been the same player that we saw the first time around. Yeah, that, that screwed with his development, that sale, big time. Although that year at PSG, he was indeed, I mean, very good. I mean, very impressive, given all the firepower that was at the club at the time. I mean, still is, really, but I mean, he had quite some competition, and he still played very, you know, impressively, had some pretty good numbers, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, this is a player who should be only getting better, and it seems to be, I mean, unfortunately, only getting worse. And that's just really, I mean, extremely worrying. And I mean, now, especially, it really doesn't have much competition uh, in terms of, I mean, the center forwards, obviously, Vlaovic is number one, but I mean, Milik, I mean, you know, Milik has been surprisingly pretty good so far, but I mean, come on. I mean, this is not a guy who's. At the peak of his career or anything, you're not comp- competing with uh, Lionel Messi here. You know, I mean, Milik is just, I mean, a you know decent enough player, but yeah, I mean, it's not like like it's not like he has you know Cristiano Ronaldo to compete with anymore, or even Paulo Dybala to compete with. Um, this is really, I mean, this is the best it's going to get in terms of, um, yeah, other players to to compete with. But yeah, Moise Keane, he's just again. I mean, last season wasn't great and it just doesn't seem to be picking up from there so i mean again he's only in what 20 something years old so it's not like we're gonna write off his career but something's gonna have to happen i mean otherwise you know the management allegri i mean they're gonna run out of patience eventually i mean honestly i feel like this this game and it's funny because yesterday john elkin you know had that interview in i think it was gazette dello sport where he was heaping praise on both Allegri and Agnelli and I'm just going <laughs> huh? but uh, I like this this game is almost a fireable offense to me when it comes to Allegri just because it, it just it should not be happening you know to, to keep putting yourself in this in this position there, there are just so many so many players have just regressed under him and this was one of the one of the biggest displays yet as to why also how many times was dushan vlavich offside today i guess on the comments four four, four times, yeah four. you know and that's another thing you know so much of this seems like coaching problems between the the way that the team just collapsed after the first goal you know the way that the the forwards are not paying attention to the to the offside line or not releasing the ball quick enough so much of this seems like coaching to me, and it's going to be interesting because what's going to be really interesting to me is if we're going to get another Landucci special against Monza, because 
Allegri is almost certainly going to be suspended for that game because he got sent off at the end. Now, who knows? Who knows what players will actually have available for that game because, you know, Quadrado got sent off during that scrum. Milik, as well as he played in that second half, and he did play well. How sorry, Kesh, how stupid can you be to pull your shirt when you've already been booked? Like, yeah, come on, that man. was that was pretty unexplainable to me. Like, I, I honestly on. didn't. I, I thought he got red carded because I, I was I was I wasn't fully watching at the same time when he got red carded. So I thought he got red carded because of the fight afterwards. Uh, like the first yellow was because of he took his shirt off. Second yellow because of the fight. But then I saw that yeah, he got yellow card because he was already booked. Like that was, yeah, that was yeah. pretty pretty indefensible. That was, that was dumb. Pretty dumb. That was that was that was just. Yeah, which I honestly get if if you'd won the game, like I, I get that, like it'd be worth it. But if, because it was offsides, <laughs> like it's even like it's just so dumb. My guess is they're gonna appeal that, and maybe there's gonna be, I don't know, may, maybe they'll let, can't let appeal him off the yellow, hook, though. I don't think it's in the rule. Speaking of trying to apply a logic in Italy, <laughs> if the goal doesn't happen, does that mean the the goal celebration yeah. doesn't happen? And it's crazy because the same thing happened last season with Ronaldo, right? Like in his last game, he scores the, the, I think, supposed to be winner, takes off his shirt, he gets yellow carded, and the goal gets disallowed. And, I mean, he left immediately afterwards. So we never really figured (laughs) out if Juve appealed that or something. But, like, it's such a weird thing. It it was weird at the moment. I was like, that's never going to happen again. It's even weirder that it happens one year afterwards, and this time it's a red card with a player that's, I'm guessing, not leaving. So we'll see what we'll see what happens. We'll see if they appeal that. But yeah, that's that's honestly the only thing I have to criticize Milic for because he was he was such a an improvement over Keane. But he also he's he reminds me in a lot of ways of, of Mansukic when he came to Juventus in the sense that he was just this, you know, not completely washed like just a veteran guy but that still in like the peak or in the prime of his career and he can still produce a lot he just knows what to do with the ball he just knows what to do with that circumstance he just has that instinct of a striker and he just makes this team better and even though he's not the flashiest name and and i think we were all kind of underwhelmed by him when they signed him especially with the memphis Depay rumors and whatnot but but he just makes this team better in the way that those type of veterans like Jurmansukic, like at that time, like way back when, like with like Steiner and those type of guys that just make Your the team day. better just by being like professionals, just like being good at what they do and knowing what to do when they have the ball. And just having that that awareness and that this is a nice segue and awareness that Leo Bonucci for all his years as a veteran just simply just doesn't seem to be having recently. Like it's, you know, we we can talk about coaching all we want. We can talk a lot about about a lot of things, but just some of the guys that are playing that are, that just should not be getting any minute, many more minutes right now. Like you're Juan Cuadrados, you're Leo Bonucci's. I know we don't have, you know, the copper full of of depth at this point, but to me, that is the biggest criticism that I have of Allegri. Like, I know you respect, you know, better and shit, (laughs) But these dudes are just not not you know fit to be in the starting eleven anymore. Yeah, got gotta love uh, Max Allegri before the year saying how you know Leo, Leo Bonucci's spot isn't necessarily a given, even though he's captain. And when he's healthy, been rolling right on out there, hasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's given Gatti the one game. 
I would assume that Venucci will play on Wednesday and then Gatti on Sunday, right? Hopefully. Like, I don't know. I mean, knows. <laughs> it'd, it'd be nice to give Bremer a day off, wouldn't it? That's for goodness sake. You're right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know he looks like a Greek God, but he does need rest sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and, and he did, he had a bad game today too. Yes. The goal aside, like he had that, he was lucky not to get a not to be called for a penalty kick in the, at the very early stages of the game and then gave away the kick later is. Yeah. It's again, an example just of Juve regressing to the level of their opposition. I mean, you know, we've, we've mentioned this before, just in general in big games. And I mean, we'll talk about PSG game, of course, but in general, in big games, we, okay. We don't, we're not always like extraordinary world-class or anything, but we generally at least somewhat compete in those games. And then, you know, we play against the Salernitana and then we just drop to that level of our opposition and you know it's just i don't know it's it's just bizarre like you know why yeah why match your opposition <laughs> you know it's like you're supposed to match your opposition if they're you know okay top level but not if they're quite significantly beneath you so it's uh yeah it's an- another another one of those frustrating uh instances of that happening well chuck's mentioned the psg game so we talk a little champions league since the uh the wonderful Winter World Cup schedule has provided us with basically champ- non-stop Champions League for the next couple months. We must yeah, see. why not? All right. We well, obviously, we, we were hoping that Juventus replicated their second half performance. Uh, ironically, they, they, they seem to be playing better the last few games when they're down two goals rather than actually ahead a goal or two. So that's that's always good to see. But, you know, Max Allegri has been the one who has identified... Uh, and I think he, he he got a little bit some deserved stick about it. How the Benfica matchup is going to be the one that truly decides whether Juventus get to gets the knockout round or not. And well, guess who's coming to Turin in a few days? That would be Benfica. So uh, obviously, we can talk a little bit about PSG. But um, knowing that Juventus has been about as up as up and down as can be so far this season, uh, is there any optimism about uh, Max Allegri's squad going into? a very important Champions League game against Benfica, knowing full well that, like I said, with how things have been, there's a pretty good chance that this team could go 0 for 2 to start the group stage. No, there's not much hope. <laughs> there's not a lot of <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of optimism there in, in, in for me at all. I mean, it, it's a winnable game on paper, sure. And, and if we do have Angel Di Maria back for the game and he plays better than he did in the first half against Fiorentina, then that'll be a good thing. But ah, yeah, I, I'm, there's nothing that this team has done to be, to be able to say, yeah, they're going to be okay with there. Or, or yeah, I'm pre- I can be pretty confident in, in a performance against this team. And, and, you know, like I said, in my post-match this, this, this past midweek for the PSG game, you know, we're at a point where we were really, really happy on Tuesday that we didn't get keel hauled. Like that was our attitude going coming out of that PSG game was all right. We didn't get our ass. All right, we didn't get destroyed. Woo-hoo! <laughs> and what does that say about the state of the squad above the, the club right now? But yeah, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful for the Benfica game. It's a must win game when it comes to advancing out of the group. Cause you lose games against Benfica and you're hoping for Maccabi Haifa to pull something on match day six. And also, by the way, beating PSG (laughs) 
to get out of the group. And that's, yeah, that's not good. So Wednesday is a truly must-win game. And I don't know what kind of Juventus we're going to see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, there's not a lot of hope because the team just hasn't given us a lot of reasons to be hopeful, right? Like, there's just, we, we can make up a scenario in which, you know, suddenly Juan Cuadrado goes back to being Juan Cuadrado from 2015 and, and maybe things turn around, but there's just on the field hasn't been a ton to make you confident about, about them playing a Benfica side. That's going to be scrappy. That's going to be good. That overall, I think is probably higher quality than Salernitana. And we just saw how kind of like they, they struggled at, at times playing a side like Salernitana who to their credit are better this year than, than they were last season. They're 10th in the table right now. They're not that bad, but they're not that good. They're a mid-table team. You should be able to beat them. So, so yeah, there's not a ton of, of optimism right now. But, you know, you, you guys were saying, like, we're happy that we didn't get slaughtered. You know, it, it, it's not great. I, 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 I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree that it's not fantastic that that's the way we're thinking. But PSG is, you know, it's arguably a top four side in the world. Top, what, top three, maybe, if you want to, like, debate it. Like in, in the graph back, I've made the case, like how many PSG players would you take before you take the first UV player? Like it's that pick four, pick five. Like how many guys would you say are better in that team than they are in our team? Like they're just a very clearly a cut above. We saw that in the game. Like it was just Juventus put up a good fight. They had good stretches. They had moments here and there where they could have tied the game up. But, you know, you only have to see all Dazzle Vonucci tried to mark, uh, you know, Kylian Mbappe to realize, okay, we're, we're not in that level right now. We're not at that level just yet. So that's why with the PSG thing was like, okay, let's, let's see for the good. Let's see for a good performance. Not so much the result because there's not a lot of teams right now in the world, not just Italy, not just Juve. There's not a lot of teams right now in the world that could go into the stadium and get a win or get a result. I think that's going to be very different against Benfica. I think if you are at all a serious club that is actually looking to, you know, forget make some noise in the Champions League, forget make the semifinals, forget winning the thing. Obviously, I'm not talking about that. But if you are talking about being a club that is ostensibly in the hunt for trophies, either domestically or internationally or whatever, Benfica is a team you have to beat. You have to beat them at home, you know, there can be excuses, there can be whatever, but that's the team you have to be at home. And, and when Max Allegri said, oh, the important game is against Mafika, obviously people didn't want to hear that, but he was right. Like, he was right. Like, everyone knows that PSG is going to qualify in first place. You have to beat Benfica. And, and he said it, and people didn't like it. And, you know, that's why coaches and players usually just give you the nothing quote, because the nothing quote is just going to, you know, give you no problems. Uh, so, and when he's honest, like, people just go at his throat. But he was right. Like, the important game is against Benfica. He said that now, you know, he has to, you know, he has to put it on the table and actually, you know, put follow through with that. Like they have to go out there and they have to beat Benfica. They have to get that win at home and, and just suddenly things are going to look a lot better. If you can get that W at home, if you can kind of put yourself, get that leg up in, in European competition. And a lot of the talk will, will start to subside if the results start, you know, coming true. If, if they're not, well, at that point, then we, we start talking about hot seats and, Thomas Tuchel and whatnot. But at this point, like you need to get that win. Like you need to get that win. I agree with Sam is it's a must win. You, you cannot have any slip ups in that one. 
Yeah, I mean, you guys have commented on the Benfica game pretty uh, extensively, so I'll just kind of make a comment on the PSG game. You know, it reminds me of something I said after the Real Madrid preseason game of, of just this last preseason. Um, oh, you know, the memorable we were... <laughs> Real Madrid game from this past yeah, summer. It was, wow. I mean, it was... Uh, it was super hot fire, man. It was, it was memorable. But I remember I said, I mean, look, we got comprehensively outplayed in that game. And I remember saying, look, I mean, we didn't learn anything new from this game. It was basically Champions League winners with their basically full strength side against, well, Juve, who's basically <laughs> not. I, I, I like the uh, the very small, subtle pause you had there. Against I, I mean, it, it's the energy is in the pause. The, the power is in the silence. That is literature, my friends. That literature I just made up. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it was clearly obviously we were going to lose that. I mean, obviously they were going to be just light years ahead of us. And in the PSG game, it was much of the same. I mean. Juve is just not a big club anymore. I mean, that's to me, that's been obvious for, I mean, at least a season and a half now. There's not a big club anymore. So for us, for us as a big club to play against PSG have many issues and their issues in the Champions League, despite all their money spent, uh, have been well documented, but they're still a top team, um, like Sergio said. And that first half was just as expected. And then the second half was, you know, unexpectedly good and you know it's funny i was thinking about that as that game really as the game ended i was thinking like you know how we talk about how juve starts the game in the first half really well like for instance against roma and then just kind of like falls off in the second half and then lets another team lets the other team back into it it's funny to be on the other side of that equation because that's what happened against psg right we were comprehensively outplayed in the first half and then we kind of fought our way back into it the second half and really could probably have grabbed an equalizer actually, which would have, I mean, not been thoroughly deserved, but I think, you know, wouldn't have been completely ridiculous based on the second half uh, performance and just how PSG fell off in the second half. So it's just, I, I just remember thinking that like, Oh, uh, that's, that's how it is to be on the other side of that. Like, you know, we've been on the side of like being frustrated with our team dropping off, but then to be the other team that's playing against a team that comprehensively outplays you in the first half and then in the second half kind of lets you back into it. It's like, oh, wow, that was kind of, it was just kind of funny seeing it from the other side there. But yeah, I mean, we, you know, could have grabbed an equalizer there, but um, well, clearly we didn't. But again, I mean, just based on that game, I think I didn't learn anything new. PSG are clearly going to win the group. We are, I mean, hopefully if we qualify and uh, get second place and I mean, we're still just, well behind the top teams in Europe. I mean, that's just, unfortunately, that's kind of where we are right now. And hopefully won't be forever. Hopefully won't. Where can you find one of these Killian and Bappe guys? Are they readily available? Monaco, apparently. (laughs) Football manager, that's where. Football manager. (laughs) I remember, you remember the the year that he burst onto the scene. We played him in that semifinal. Oh, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he scored against uh, Buffon, he scored yeah, he scored in the second leg. Yeah. But and it's one of those things where it's, you know, one one of one of Andrea Agnelli's most famous quotes when we first uh signed Ronaldo was, you know, the next time we want to sign next we still want to sign the next Ronaldo when he's 20 and not 34 and I was like, well, not quite so far, but uh, <laughs> uh it's it's okay Juventus have Paul Pogba. Yeah. Yeah. Injured. That's going to be a bit. That's going to be a big. One. I mean, we are we are clearly a cut 
a cut below now. It's just, it is interesting watching PSG play that game, especially the first half. Christophe Galtier has got them playing different than a lot of the other big name coaches that they've brought in. Thomas Tuchel. Yeah. Like the Tuchel, <laughs> like the Tuchels and the, and, and the Pochettinos, like he is, he looks to me like just kind of a, like a pros pro coach. Yes. And, and he's got, you know, he's got Messi playing really well so far this year where Pochettino could barely get Messi going at all last year. The one thing that you could turn to Juve to that Juve could turn to their favor in the return in November is that they look really weak on aerial balls in the box. Like it's, it's, it's pretty clear why they were so desperate to pull Milan Strinjar off of Inter this year. You know, if you get enough crosses into the box, you could do something on match day six against them. If you get enough crosses into the box and avoid getting utterly destroyed by, by guys like Mbappe and, and Neymar. That's right. That's what Juan Cuadrado's for in the form he's in. Oh, man. That's what Kostic, I guess, is going to be for now. Sir, Sergio mentioned it a few weeks back. The Juan Cuadrado is wash train is definitely picking up some steam. Yeah, it, it, he's just not looking good. I mean, granted, I do want to stress, I mean, last the last two seasons, yeah, I mean, I think he's been excellent last two seasons. So, I mean, just maybe this is just a temporary dip in form. I don't want to say, okay, I, he's completely over and then like... I don't know. The, the second half of last year was not great. Yeah, it was starting to yeah. be like, maybe he's better suited for like a super soft role at this point yeah. in his career. I don't know. I think Father Time is coming and hitting him over the head a little bit. A lot of, yeah, lot, I mean, lot of miles on those tires. I just don't want to throw in the towel for him just straight away. I mean, I think, yeah, maybe bench him for a while and kind of let him just, you know, get out of the limelight for a little and just, yeah, get some time and at the very, come At back the very and, least, we can, thank, we can be thankful that Colombia didn't qualify for the World Cup because they'll be able to rest a little bit. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and to me, that, that's one of those things that, that we can – you know, we'll, we'll never really know because we're not inside those meeting rooms, but, you know, it, it, it boggles the mind that, you know, either the board or Allegri or whoever made that call just looked at some of the depth we have in some positions. The dog's being a d- sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can leave that in. I think she's fine now. But yeah, they, they could look at the depth and at those positions and be, yeah, we're fine rolling into the season with old ass Leo Bonucci, like as one of our center backs, like we're fine rolling into the season with Alexandro at his current form and, and Juan Cuadrados are fullbacks. Like we're good with that. Like you, you have to wonder, like did the coach make that call? Did the board make that call? Like it, it, it just baffles the mind, like how they, they saw that and were okay with it because we don't really have a ton of options. I think I saw a report by, was it Alfredo Pedula? I think it was Pedula who said that it was Allegri who demurred on new left backs. Apparently, Allegri was fine with what we had there. Ah, um, so he was the is, one. If that report is correct, then if that report is correct, that is to me a significantly more fireable offense than anything else that has happened <laughs> during the season. Because that is just like just looking at things that are just not there. Because. I don't know how you look at the guys we have and, and, and come to that conclusion. And then this week you see rumors of Alex Grimaldo becoming, you know, he'll, he'll probably be available this, this winter because his contract is running down against Benfica. 
but that could be a a, a winter signing, and that's going to be it, the winter window is going to be very interesting this year to me because it's you know obviously you don't have a World Cup level tournament in the winter every year, and there's going to be a couple of World Cup players who are going to attract interest and some bidding wars on the winter market. I think we're going to be in for a very interesting winter market. But if we can pick up a guy like Ronaldo in that regard, I'd say, yeah, because, you know, we need fullbacks. We've needed fullbacks on this team for four years, three, four years now. And yeah, it, here we are just still without him. It's all right. Here's Matia DeShiglio. Saves the day. Yeah. DeShiglio and it, it is baffling to, to to see the way the roster is constructed. Like at full strength, I guess it's better than it was last year. Thing is, we aren't at full strength, and we're not also being deployed properly. It's just it's rough all around, and it's it's really difficult to to watch the way that this is happening and be confident in in the rest of the season. Well, on that uplifting note, should we wrap things up for today, John? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Hey, keep on smiling. smiling. All right. Well, before we go, this is keep swimming. Just keep swimming. (laughs) Yes. As Chuck's alluded to in the opening of our show, this is Chuck's last appearance for a few weeks. So I will speak for the other two guys on the Zoom call saying, Chuck's bon voyage. And may may you memorize your wedding vows as well as I sometimes remember everything I'm supposed to say in the intro and outro of this podcast. Oh man, are you really? Are you guys going by memory? Because why? I didn't when I got married. No, <laughs> no. I mean, we are writing our own vows, but um, <laughs> no, no, we're not. We're not going off memory. We got these little booklet <laughs> thingies that we'll just have. No, uh, I, I mean, I did ask is her. Actually, it, is it a booklet that you've that. already read and sent me a nice <laughs> copy no, of? No, no. I mean, I've, I've read and proofread and proofread <laughs> and you know proofread my my vows uh, extensively. So yeah. I didn't get mine done until the night until was it the night before the wedding. Yeah, oh, I think really? it was the night before the wedding that I didn't get mine done. I just, I just didn't know what to say. Yeah, I mean, went to, I went to one of my groomsmen's apartments and sat down at his dinner table, and he just kind of, he and I just kind of like cranked out until, because he, because I'd just been groomsman for him the year before, so we were just, so we were just, you know, he was helping me come up with with what I wanted to actually say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, mine is like I don't know, five hundred. 550 words or something like that right now, which is, I guess, kind of a lot. But um, <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I was kind of like thinking. It's okay, you know, Chucks. It it's, it's your wedding, Chucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and we're keeping it pretty simple. So. We wish you safe travels and everything. You. Hope you. you have the time of your life, both on the Thank wedding you. and on the honeymoon afterwards dun, around dun, Europe. Dun, dun, so. dun, 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 <laughs> yeah, I'll be in uh, Italy actually, and uh, yeah, Italy for a week, and then uh, Malta yeah, you'll, for a you'll week. You'll be dropping off a a a, a autograph copy of your book to Max Allegri. <laughs> no, I'll probably Pontinasa. I'll probably be throwing rotten tomatoes at his uh, apartment or at his <laughs> I don't know condo or something. No, 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 I'm joking, oh, joking, joking. <laughs> of course not. Now I'm now I know I'm going to be missing out on a good time. No, <laughs> uh, no. If I do see him somehow, some some way, then I will give him a very kind, warm hello, and then you know tell him to come on, man, get things, hey, come on, get man. things together, <laughs> get it together, <laughs> get it together, mate. Come on. All right, well. Again, Chucks, we wish you the best of luck. So, thank you, uh, and uh, the best of uh, best of times. Next time we will be speaking with you on this podcast, you'll be officially a married man. So, yes, yeah, if yeah. you want to, as as a way to tease upcoming episodes, if you want to listen to Chucks recount his wedding and honeymoon travels, 
<laughs> on the podcast in a few weeks, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, feel free to give us a nice rating or review or send Chuck's some well wishes on his wedding. Twitter questions will hopefully return next week. Obviously, we had some VAR-related things to discuss today, so I didn't get have time for any of those. So for Sam, for Chucks, and for Sergio and producer Couch, who will be busy editing our dirty, foul mouths. Danny's saying <laughs> thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. <laughs>